Hello and welcome back to the Drunken Transfer episode 14. Happy Friday everyone. It's unusual that we um that we record on the day that we release, but we're doing so today. We of course uh, have had quite a tight turnaround um, this week. This is I think our third episode in 7 days. How fun Jacob. I'm seeing so much of you. Oh, I'm um, thrilled. I'm so I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted. <laughs> Well, again, again, we're over we're over Zoom because um, uh, my house has become a lovely COVID house. I realise yeah. I didn't give you your proper introduction, Jacob. He's the Berkshire boy, making all the noise everywhere he goes. It's Jacob Southcline, and he's Jacob Southcline. It's one o'clock, and you you're cracking open a beer. Well, as my dearest grandfather uh, used to and still currently says, um, <laughs> uh, the sun's past the yard arm. Which means means it's gone twelve o'clock and anything's fair game. Yeah, so it's been um, it's been an eventful week um, in FPL terms. I feel like the next four weeks from game week thirteen through to game week sixteen, uh, moving on uh, as we enter uh, World Cup territory, are going to probably be a little more calm in terms of uh, transfer making and team fiddling. It feels like everyone sort of kind of got their team set now for the next four weeks. But this game week twelve that we just had this midweek, which was Sons, Arsenal, and Man City, was sort of the big. Uh, midweek game week that everyone has been leading up to having to plan for. It was awful. It was <laughs> terrible. It was, it you, was you are, so bad. I mean, was, the thing is, Jacob, and it, I, I, I guess this is, um, uh, I guess this is uh, I, I, going to lead into my tank your rank this week, um, which is if you didn't plan for game week 12... Even if you did, in my case, yeah, uh, you, no, you, you, you had a, you had a pretty shit, well, you had a pretty shit week. I mean, it's, but but those but those who weren't planning for it and have had to use a chip, such as a wild card or a free hit, or people like us who had to take points hits, we've mm-hmm. really suffered in comparison to those people who have had this in their mind's eye for quite oh, a few weeks. I think um, the, in terms of like the pyramid of losers from game week 12, because it was just one of those cursed game weeks where there weren't any winners, in, mm. in order of like who had the worst time, like you say, people who burned a chip will probably most likely be ruining their luck because yeah. if you look at the game week 12 team of the week, I mean, I'm just going to rattle off some names. Like Alisson got a 15-pointer. Pero for Southampton got 11 points. Amati, 9. Simicast, 9. Dave Aspilicueta, 9. Bruno Fernandes, 10. Uh, 11 even, I can't count. Uh, Harrison <laughs> Reed 10. Fred, 10. Almiron's probably the biggest name there. And he yeah, got a 10-pointer and was on my brother's bench because classic. And um, Eberich, say 10. And then Adams, Che Adams, turn and face the Che. Um, yeah. On 6. So like, there are no names there like in the team of the week who you know are your like classic big hitters in fantasy terms or names no. that are, you know everyone's team and on top of that like nobody really got past like the nine or ten mark it was um it was a fpl disaster really but uh, you know those of that had planned for it probably didn't come off very well either because i took a minus four you took a minus eight and bloody hell i mean i struggled to get over the 30 point mark mate 
Yeah, I, I, the, my my mind is say I was I was really worried about, and again, uh, the, the frustrating thing I think for me was that I was really trying to get ahead of the curve. I was really trying to make sure that I had eleven fit playing players um, who I wouldn't really have to take many hits to get in on. And of course, I touched on last week. Had so many injuries and suspensions in my team that I had to take the minus eight to just get ten playing players, which was exactly what you had as well. We both only had the ten, and for me that dropped down to a nine because my worst transfer in of the season a couple of weeks back, Purvis Estepinian, is not in favour at all under Robert Deserby. He didn't play, and so I, I I got a zero pointer from him. So that meant that I was going, oh well, you know, cripes, because by but by, by some sort of kind of, you know, for some reason, you were you and I basically uh, sort of made the same transfers, had the same transfer plans, have ended up with a very similar team. So I was thinking, well, I'm a differential down on you. I'm only going to have three differentials as opposed to your four. And it was a little bit like um, a couple of weeks back when you'd lost a player uh, and you were on 10 and I was on 11 and yet you stuffed me in the game week. It, the, the flip reverse has sort of happened this week. And it... it I, you know, I kind of feel it was just a bit of luck, really, because, you know, in my mind, I thought Tottenham were going to turn up against Man United and they were awful. And Son and Doherty were the players you had in your team who just did not perform for you at all. And, and, and Zaha, despite the fact that he hadn't looked particularly effective in that yeah. Wolves game, um, went and got the winner for 2-1. And, and that was the, those were really the big, the big changes, I think, between us. I mean, by the end of the first day of the game week... I was on four points, which when you take into account my hit was a big fat goose egg of zero. Yeah. And I basically knew the writing was on the wall from Friday night because it felt like everyone was leapfrogging me because Zaha owners were... Do you mean the, the Tuesday night, sorry? Oh, sorry. God. No, no, no. Like, no all, all this, you are right. It's, it was from the Tuesday night because it's one of those weird midweeks. But but yeah, no, it's it's the way that as soon as I saw that Zahar goal go in, like it was just red arrows and red arrows. And even when I went to sleep that night, it was still in my dreams and nightmares, mm. red arrows. Because it's, um, yeah, it, it's taken me from the lofty heights of 240k, which I think was my best round for the season. I've doubled well, more than doubled my rank in in the midweek because I'm down to 550k overall. I, in the end, I had to settle for a measly 29 points. Yeah, and I say, well, I, I, mean, I, I say I had 10 players playing, but one of those 10 was the ever-cursed, like, just absolute Jonah that is um, Leon Bailey, the managerless Leon Bailey, who ended up on zero points even though he did play. Um, so it was more like a nine nine playing team I had, but Jesus well, exactly. So I, I, I guess it ended up evening up that Estepinion and Leon Bailey. But yeah, you, like you say, you, you, your rank um, took a bit of a nasty fall to five fifty k. It's worth pointing out, even though I did win the week against you, uh, despite having taken that a four point extra hit on top of that, and then having one playing was played less. I only won it by five points, and. You know, I feel like at the ranks that we were, we've ended up taking a very similar fall because I've dropped mm. out of the 100k, as I expected I would, but down to 250k, um, which is also quite a big blow. <laughs> um, so it's I've extended the lead marginally against you somehow, but I feel like our rank has kind of remained a, a strange sort of equidistant. I'm, I'm one of these weird people that likes pretty patterns, and I think I've cracked the code to my, uh, I've I've unlocked my FPLing DNA for the season because I was going <laughs> through the uh, game week history tab on the Fancy Premier League website, and so far this season, my pattern has been two green arrows and a red arrow, two green arrows and a red arrow, two green arrows and a red arrow, yeah. two green arrows, and then this week 
a red arrow. So pretty consistent. <laughs> and funnily enough, um, I then looked at yours because I was curious. And <laughs> uh, you have an equally um, uh, nicely, satisfyingly symmetrical repeating pattern. But in a different way, uh, you have uh, three green arrows followed by three red arrows, followed by three green arrows, followed by three red arrows. <laughs> so I, really? That's yeah, fair. you did. That's, so. that, that's what I was saying about how I've been getting up to these heights in the top 100K and then just been plummeting, basically. It's, it does feel like I'm really, you know, yeah. massive peaks the and massive troughs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so if we touch a little bit more on the assets that we had, obviously we uh, made very similar transfers into our teams. Obviously the extra hit that I... Uh, the extra four-point hit that I took was to bring in Mitrovic, who was the only one of my transfers uh, who actually uh, turned up this week. Our other two, uh, Salah and Gehi, obviously you had the double Crystal Palace defence, Gehi and Guaita, uh, which was I, I, I think was a savvy shout against the Wolves side, who can't seem to score, but a Dharma tray already got a header, um, stars above. Uh, and then Salah, of course, in that system against West Ham, a 1-0 win to Liverpool, uh, did not look anywhere near as effective as he had in that 7-1 victory against Rangers or the 1-0 win against Manchester City. And I, I want to, I think, look at later on how much of that is to do with uh, to do with Darwin Nunez's his, his presence in the side. But it meant that we got a, a captain three-pointer up to six. And I feel like, again, getting the captaincy choice wrong was a big part of where we went wrong this second week. game week in a row for the both of us that we've had a captaincy blank uh, on the subject of captaincy and um, on people who burned the chip and on people who had a nightmare last week my brother who uh, took to Twitter to tell us on the at Drunken Transfer Twitter account he said that uh, his free hit was going to blow us both out of the water but yeah. in actual fact <laughs> uh, he ended up captaining Mason Mount <laughs> which is just absolutely uh out there, the sickener for him was having um, Almiron as his first sub uh, on mm. 10 points, just sitting pretty. But that, that's just classic, Ben, if you listen. I mean, you well, have a unique and special gift. The irony of it was, I looked at his team and one of his defenders didn't even play. It was Ben Chilwell because he played three at the back. His first sub, Almiron, couldn't come on. And he got a six-pointer from Costanza. But even still, and, and it's worth pointing out as well, Finn did get 47 points on that free-hit team. Yeah. However, I think the, the, the thing to look at is that whilst you could say that was you know, maybe a, a, a marginal success, because it's not such a huge victory, if yeah. there had been... And, and sorry, Finn, I'm not meaning to try and destroy you, your, your team, your transfer squad plans here, but if they have been planning on those teams like four weeks prior... Hmm. And and then he'd, he'd been able to save that free hit. It could have been saved for a point later well, in the season where it was. And that's where I think that, that even if you, as a free hitter, have made a, a minor gain, it's probably it still comes in the back, I'm going to hear. It you. comes back to what I was saying on last week's episode. Where, well, no, the, earlier this week's episode, where the, the gain you ought to be getting from a chip in order to justify it should be in excess of like, you should be aiming for a 20-point gain. Yeah. And, I, I don't think many people will have had that on a free hit this week. Um, it's, it's it, you know, you you were the fixtures weren't great, and you, there was only one you were only one fixture down. It was one of those cursed game weeks that no matter what your team was, you were probably going to come out of it disappointed anyway. I think the only real big winners were those people that either double or tripled up on Newcastle or Brighton defensive assets. Oh, I was so close to doubling on Newcastle. That was my big mistake. I was went to go Botman. And then I went Gahey last minute for that extra point one that would enable my transfer plans this week. And I'd gone Botman. So even with that, I've gone Webster over rest opinion. That's it. Because we were saying, <laughs> looking at the fixtures last week, there was nothing to really pick between the likes of 
you know, Palace, Newcastle, Brighton. It was all down to what your current team composition was. And I backed Palace wrongly. But if you were a Brighton backer or a Newcastle backer, that's probably where you made the games this week. And um, kudos to you and I doff my cap. But before we do uh, our Roller Spies and our Game Week 12 transfer plans, uh, which I assume is going to be Operation uh, Bring Back the City and Arsenal Boys, uh, shall we look at some of the fixtures coming up for this weekend, sir? Yeah, go on. Let's rattle them off. All right. So the first one of the week, uh, the midweek, uh, the midweek, the early fixture, Forest versus Liverpool. Uh, you and I, of course, uh, brought Mo Salah in, uh, sort of semi-targeting this fixture as well. Are you having any second thoughts about captaining Mo Salah? As I know you said you were thinking of doing for this game, given how little he seemed to be involved in that West Ham I mean, win. For me, it's got to be between Salah and Holland again, but. On paper, I was tar- I, I said last week about targeting teams and Forrest being a team that you ought to target. Yeah. Salah is the captain and this seemed like the obvious choice. But then, like you said, that performance midweek just really put the shits at me because he was so wide again. Darwin was the focal point. I think the only thing that heartens me slightly in terms of if I do end up with the armband on Mo, um, yeah. there is, as of the last hour, there is a question mark over whether Darwin is actually going to make the game tomorrow because um, he's an injury doubt. Um, Is he? I didn't see that. He's not been spotted in training. Um, Somebody, I I don't think it was directly from the horse's mouth with Klopp, but I I think um, an Anfield reporter, um, someone Pierce, I don't know, um, reckons that he's he's going to be touch and go, which means, yeah, that's one to keep an eye on because it means that if Darwin is out, and I know... Uh, the scouts got Darwin in his game week 13 team. I know that a lot of people on a wild card were saying, okay, you know, maybe this is the time to get Nunez in. Um, he recorded the highest average um, speed as well this game week as well. That's just he was he was brilliant against West Ham. He looked yeah. absolutely phenomenal. But if he doesn't make the lineup, it makes Salah a much more attractive option. And if he does, then all those people like me and you that got in Salah last week are maybe thinking, oh gosh, you know, have we moved too soon here? So um, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. But for the time being, I'm willing to see if uh, I think it's a no-brainer if 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 Darwin's out, I think Salah's getting the captaincy for me. From my perspective, I completely agree with you because I think that um, the, the, the Salah is being massively hampered in terms of his attacking potential. It might be better for the team to have Nunez in, but Salah's personal attacking potential is certainly hampered when Nunez is in that lineup. And I didn't realise that Nunez was looking like an injury doubt, but I was I was going to say if he wasn't, I would imagine he would be guaranteed to start. In which case, I would be feeling quite nervous and quite jealous of Nunez owners. Um, because I thought he looked great against West Ham. And I think if he does play, he will slaughter that Forest defence. And I think that if you had got ahead of the curve, um, then then you could be looking for a big point. Or... If you'll indulge me just again for a second and go yeah. all like a Enigma code and imitation game <laughs> on you again. I was talking about pretty patterns earlier in our uh, game week ranks. Um, the other pretty pa- pattern to mention, of course, is the Mo Salah pattern. Because mm. consistently this season, he returned game week one, Blanked game week two, returned game week three, blank game week four. And he is he has alternated between blanking and returning consistently right up until last week. And as he blanked last last game week against uh, West Ham, I fully, fully expect him to get a 20-pointer this week. How wow. Wow. Look at that. I didn't think you were a tea leaf reader, Jacob. Well, this seems... is gambler's fallacy, you know. Just just call just call me just call me Mystic Meg. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know? Put it all on red. Put it all on red. <laughs> I do lottery numbers too. Just, just saying. Uh, Everton versus Palace. Palace uh, had their third comeback win of the season against Wolves. They haven't actually won a Premier League match yet uh, without going behind. And uh, I, I, I just proved, uh, despite the fact we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, and I know that it's probably fueling our own narrative, but again proving you've got to have Michael Elise in that side because him <laughs> starting alongside Etze and Zaha... They it, it just provided so much more trouble for Wolves. And the reason I think Zaha ended up getting his late goal is because, you know, Wolves ended up not being able to mark him out of the game and, and, and he was able to find that space because there were so many attacking players they had to occupy. I saw a lot of Palace fans on my Twitter saying that in terms of the performance, it was the most complete one of the season against Wolves because, you, like you say, you had to come from behind. Um, I just finished like dabbing my eyes from losing my double palace clean shit. <laughs> thought to myself, oh well, you know, are they going to turn this around? But like you say, it's 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 a good sign the fact that Zaha did have a quiet game and ended up being unlocked and that there are signs that after a few games of them looking blunt and thinking, okay, you know, are they sort of grinding to a bit of a halt and have are their attacking assets, you know, really justifiable? There were signs mm. against Wolves that, you know, they can break teams down and uh yeah, um, it's it's funny. Um, Mark McGettigan was saying on his um, athletic um, Q and A this week, if you're not a Zahar owner now, it might even be worth looking at Etse, man. Because um, well, I, I was I was going to suggest to you, Jacob, um, that you would must be kicking yourself a little bit, really, because you suggested a couple of weeks back that Etse was. It's like a runner-up on your roll the spice pick, and he has been phenomenal. If you'd have picked him, your roll the spice points would be would be on the rise, man. Yeah, I am kicking myself, and I liked Eberichi Etze before it was cool, but um, that's just that's the cross I've got to bear. So in this in the same way, I mean, I'm I'm I really am regretting uh, not putting my money where my mouth is and and, and putting Miguel Almer on in uh, my team because uh, I called it before he started scoring and he's been absolutely brilliant and I just thought well it's such a, it's such a cheap one to have gone for I was quite confident in him doing well very very disappointing uh, but that's besides the point Everton uh, slipped to a 1-0 loss against Newcastle with the Almer on goal um, such, a, such a strange one at the moment Everton it was kind of what I expected um, that them to, to, to lose 1-0 and not offer much in an attacking sense Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back and I guess they'll be hoping that he can be a catalyst for them moving forward. It's got to be a wait and see for me. Absolutely. Because I know that at one point, Calvert-Lewin was like a must-have. And he was basically mm. like, you know, Calvert-Lewin was the equivalent of like this season's Mitrovic or, or Tony. But um, yeah. He's not got Richarlison alongside him now though, has he? So. No, and it shows. It really shows. And uh, I think what we're seeing with Everton now is kind of a return to their baseline. I think they've had a very decent patch where people are saying, okay, are they, are they going to be all right? But I think recent games have kind of shown that they're still not the finished article. And um, yeah, it's... They're, um, a, they're, a, they're a lower mid-table side, aren't they? And I think that the, the only real attraction from my perspective is if they have a favourable run of fixtures, um, maybe looking at some of their uh, defensive assets as, as differentials. Well, you talk about their defence. I mean, for me, I, I don't know whether this is just me trying to make myself feel better for the fact that I've had Mark Gahey and two weeks in a row now and he's got a one point to an inch but um, <laughs> in both of those games I've owned him he's come really close to scoring a header 
And I'm just wondering if third time's the charm. And I wonder if this is the game against Everton where he gets his big noggin but at the end of they the They are a stingy defence at the moment, Everton. They are they a stingy defence. And, and, you know, but it's, wouldn't it be typical, you know? Wouldn't it be typical, like, having having missed two ones that you expect him to put away? Oh, it would be it would be beautifully sweet if he were to rise like a spawning salmon and pop one in the net against Everton. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm banking on that happening. Go on. Yeah, I'm feeling all right about Zaha in this game. I've got I've got a, I've got a nice feeling. Um, City Brighton is the other three o'clock game on Saturday. Unsurprisingly, uh, Phil Foden is up in price again to eight point four. Uh, that's as of uh, last night. Uh, again, really, as I think everyone's sort of charging to bring City assets back into their side. Um, and, and Foden probably is the most attractive. I know that you mentioned he was on your uh, high up on your list in terms of transfer plans this yeah, week. It's, it, well, here's the thing, because I was saying to you about how, you know, 0.1 and 0.2 million really kind of makes a difference at this time of the year. And um, on paper, I needed... Uh, another reason I'm so disappointed that Tony and Son had a quiet game week in game week 12 is that if I just managed to squeak a 0.1 price rise out of either of them, um, so I think Son wasn't quite as close to a rise as Tony was. But if Tony had put in a big performance and had just got his price up by another 0.1, I would have had the money both in transferring out Son and Tony. Um, I would have had the money plus what I have in the bank to do Foden and Kane in. And now that's yeah. even further out of reach because Foden this week has had over 200,000 managers transfer him in. And all of a sudden he's up to 21k ownership and he's becoming a mainstream asset. You know, he's he is people's De Bruyne replacement in terms of the City three. Because if you were like me and you benched, well, me and you and that we benched um, Cancelo and Haaland last week. Now all of a sudden, like the third City assets have, looks like it is going to be Foden from here on out. And I'm yeah. really worried not having him for this week. I mean, I can bring him in. I can bring him in. It would mean needing to downgrade Son, which is something I'm relatively happy to do. But uh, yeah, he, he keeps on going up and up in price. And honestly, he's a great buy. I mean, he's, he really he's, is. he's so involved. He's a constant threat. And uh, in this fixture, I mean, I, I think against Brighton, it's um, the fact that the City's home record's so good and Brighton's defence is, you know, even though they kept the clean sheet last week, I mean, I can really see City going out. Plot twist, uh, that Foden to Kane on a minus four is something that I'm also very, very seriously considering um, and is not for this week, but over the next two weeks, I do think I figured out a way of being able to do it. I know we haven't done a tank your rank yet this week, but um, very amusingly, I saw a gentleman on Reddit who uh, was in a mini league with somebody who uh, this person in question used their bench boost last week with mm. Martinelli, um, Cancelo and Haaland on the bench. Oh my God. <laughs> and bearing in mind, they're a team that was doing quite well. I think they're floating around the million pound mark. Um, the only saving grace was the fact that he had um, Ward, Leicester's keeper, on, right. on his bench as well. Even so still. Ended up getting like a nine-pointer, I think. But but bloody hell. I mean, that's one way to tank your rank. It really right? is. Um, Brighton against City. Um, Brighton are looking really, really blunt at the moment. And I think anyone uh, who brought Trossard in, uh, even McAllister, which I was considering, has, has been really burnt because they didn't score against Forest. Uh, and, they, I mean, they, they had such control of the possession for such a long period of time and they couldn't break them down. 
I know that Trossard's still such a popular pick and, you know, at 6.9 million, third Cut, cut your losses, man. I'd cut your yeah, losses. Yeah, I, I, and I kind of am inclined to agree with you. I know I don't do it often. I mean, his stats are still really good. I know he started at wing-back in the last game, which, you know, nullified his threat quite a bit. But bear in mind that his ownership is is similar to the likes of Foden and uh, even Saka. I know that, you know, there's a question mark as to whether Saka should make it. I think he will. But I think considering... You know, the other options in the prize bracket, I think it's probably time to, to cut your losses. Or even Almiron, you know, I mean, th- these are... These you could go, the- go Almiron, you could go Rashford, you could, you know, there, there, are, mm. there are plenty more attractive propositions who look like they're, they're getting chances at the moment. I know that a lot of people brought in Brighton assets over the last two game weeks in preparation for the blank. But, um, it's not worked. You've got to be benching them against City. I know, that, that, you know, great that they got you the clean sheet last week. City should win this one quite comfortably. Chelsea United, uh, a game of the week you would suggest, although weirdly I am struggling to find options that I particularly love from it. Yeah, it's it's big in terms of what it means for the table, you know, with um, both of you being in adjacent positions. But like you say... Uh, from both sides, each asset from a fancy perspective seems to be caveated. Mm, um, I agree. Uh, the the biggest frustration for me, being a you know someone who isn't a United fan like you, but in, in, when I look at your United squad, and I think if only if only he could keep himself fit. This is the time of the season where if he could just like get the minutes, Anthony Martial would be a brilliant option. He really would, but he's yeah, brought out for the weekend again. After Christmas, I think Martial could be quite a popular option because our run of fixtures will be good. Uh, mm. I can't imagine he's going to make the World Cup for France. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll have had that uh, a period out to be able to um, recover, come back and, and, and look sharp once again. But, yeah, I agree. I think from a United perspective, Rashford is, is probably the one at the moment uh, who at 6.6, playing in that main striking berth, looks uh, the, the best. Having said that, we don't have a consistent goal scorer right now. The only time that we scored three goals uh, in a game in the Premier League this season was being when we lost to Manchester City 6-3. So despite the fact that we have, and don't get me wrong, that Tottenham performance that we put in, uh, you know, when we beat them 2-0 a couple of days ago, was easily our best under Eric Ten Hag. Mm. I mean, we suffocated them in the midfield. I think Casemiro and Fred moving forward has to be the midfield that we look at using. I think that it has the most strength, tenacity, uh, and wireless there, mainly from Casemiro. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we've got to use that. But having created all those chances against Tottenham, and I'm pr- I think the 15 shots we had in that first half is the most that we've had in a Premier League first half uh, since Sir Alex Ferguson's days. Despite all of those chances created and despite how good Hugo Lloris was, you'd have to say we probably still should be scoring more than two goals. Yeah, it's, and, and similarly, but in a different way, looking at Chelsea... You know, with with Potter coming in, you know, there are assets there that are like crying out, you know, for... Attention. It's it's the way that, you know, if you're like my brother and you had Chilwell on your free hit last week, you'll be rude. Because Chilwell's the sort of player that would thrive under Potter if he could just get a bloody start. Villa Brentford, uh, well, will Villa have the sacked manager bounce? Because Gerrard is gone. He barely made it onto the team coach at the end of the game. I know, it was swift, wasn't it? Kind of worked out that, I said this to you before we hit record, but the minute anyone says, oh, I'm a fighter, not a quitter, it seems to be the kiss of death. It seems to be the thing that seals it because an hour after he said that in his BBC post-match interview, Stephen Gerrard, it was given the axe. 
And yeah. uh, it was interesting reading the athletic behind the scenes lowdown on, on actually what went down. And it, even though the atmosphere in the fan base at Villa has been toxic for a while, and you had Villa fans themselves singing the uh, Steve Gerrard, Gerrard slipped on his effing ass charm. <laughs> uh, and um, saying get out of our club and whatnot. Like the ownership wanted him to succeed, and it's only the fact that they've picked up one point against all three promoted sides that's kind of forced their hands. I mean, they were dreadful against Fulham. It's, it's Fulham's biggest win in the Premier League for years. Like since they beat somebody, I think four-one, like way back in the melting mist of time. We're talking like over five years ago. And for me, from a fancy perspective, I mean, Leon Bailey, man, I just can't catch but a break. Th- this, is, this is what makes it interesting now with Leon Bailey moving forward now Gerard is gone, um, is that you can never really tell under an interim administration how they're going to line up. So it could be a godsend for Leon Bailey. It could be a death now. You just yeah. don't know. If a new man can get a tune out of them, then I'll start paying attention again. But for the likes, but but for the time being, I mean, I'm just ruining my luck when it comes to players like Bailey because they just you never expect them to get anything more than a one or two pointer. No, you don't. And and I think uh, looking at this weekend as well, um, Brentford have now kept three clean sheets in their last four games. They're looking decent um, defensively. They've managed to they plug the gaps that they were <laughs> they were really struggling. Um, uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago to be able to, uh, to to stop leaking goals. And you know, since that since that uh, Newcastle five um, one loss. Well, I think that was during these games. Like they have they have kept you know three clean sheets. So you know, if you if you stuck the faith with David Raya since the start of the season. And you know you're you're actually starting to uh, to to reap the rewards. So I, I I don't think Villa will get anything really from this weekend. I think that it could be a bit of an embarrassing home loss. Uh, and uh, as Ivan Tony owners, the both of us, I'm confident that he can go get yeah, goals against that, that defense. Uh, Leeds Fulham. Uh, Harrison's got a go for me. Uh, you know he's 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 been in my team for the last uh, four or five weeks. Uh, he was benched for the second time since I brought him in. Um, so he's not a guaranteed starter. And crucially, Leeds aren't bloody scoring either. <laughs> I, I didn't really like the Harrison transfer in the first place, honestly. Um, but then equally, I think you can be forgiven because there is no standout in that Leeds team. I know that well, the, the, it, the, the Leeds fans um, who were having a bit of an embarrassing Barney in the corner of, of their loss, it must be said against um, Leicester, but um, they were booing the likes of Sinistera being taken off yeah. for um, for your mate, um, Joe Gellar. Um, <laughs> they were booing Joe Gellar when he came on. Um, but yeah, that, I, I don't know, like, would there have been a Leeds asset that you would have rather brought in? I think you'd probably say no. Well, the thing is, at the time of bringing Harrison in, it was game week six and Leeds were actually looking like a decent attacking proposition. And ever since they had the the blank um, and Rodrigo got injured, which was um, around that game week six mark, um, they, they, they've tanked really. So at the time, I think that it was it was something that I thought was sensible because of how good Aronson and Harrison and Rodrigo had looked together. But since then, they haven't been able to to rekindle that same form. So it's, it's a difficult one. And he's he's definitely off this week. You transferred in the wrong Harrison because it was Harrison Reed that uh, scored for Yes. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Harrison <laughs> Reed has been a strange, uh, decent attacking um, uh, returner for Fulham this season. And he's been quite cheap as well. And he's got a couple of goals. Yeah, well, for me, it was a toss-up between bringing Reed or Pereira for that four point five million. Yeah, stuff. you had to be Pereira. And uh, now I'm all of a sudden thinking, God, well, could I have justified bringing in both of them? The answer is no, but <laughs> no. Uh, but I mean, in terms of four point five million 
um, pound like enabling midfielders. You look, should look no further than Fulham. Basically, they've been awesome. Yeah, Mitch Rich for me was the transfer that, that worked, and I like his fixtures over the next couple of weeks or so. It was very amusing to me midweek to see Leeds fans calling for the return of Marcelo Bielsa in the stands. I, I think that ship has well and truly sailed. But, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a comfortable Fulham win. I, I expect them to to go two on the trot now. Yeah, uh, Southampton Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal, I think, is it, it could be the team to really target for FPL this week. I know that Southampton uh, got a decent one. They win against Bournemouth, which is a little bit of a relief for Hassan Huttel. I I would I would I would imagine this will be a, a comfortable victory. Uh, are you looking at Arsenal assets, Jake, in this game? Yeah, I, I've not really considered Saka at any point until this week really I, I still don't think I will end up bringing in Sackers I don't like the idea of doubling up on Arsenal midfielders but my god like he he's giving Foden a run for his money in his price bracket and didn't think, go up um, last night Foden did Saka did yeah. not Saka and also potentially has a knock oh really yeah I yeah. think he's I saw him at, uh, he was flagged at like 75% on them the, the website, but we know those are uh, those can <laughs> often be tricksy. Those injury indicators, but yeah, I think he's been really impressive. I mean, he's 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 got like three goals, four assists, or may, might have been the other way around, like in his last like few. And he's he's ticking over. He, he's yeah. at the heart of that Arsenal side, and and also in terms of the defense he's playing against. I mean, it doesn't get any easier for what is a weak Southampton side because you know with Livermento, Romeo Lavia, uh, Armel Belakotchap. Uh, Carl Walker Peters, I mean, they're all out. And you yeah. know, you could argue that those are probably four of their most important players. Um, I think you should if if you're a, still a Martinelli owner as you should be, you should be licking your lips looking at this one. They should be. And also um from a defensive perspective as well, I think Southampton this, I know they scored against Bournemouth, um, but I, I, I would back Arsenal defensive assets to the hilt here. Um I think, you know, if you're looking at someone like Ben White, mm. um, you know, if it's a cheap four point five million enabler, if you, you know, want to, you know, move some more expensive defensive money elsewhere, that could be um a real option for you. And I think well, that that yeah, this is this this is this is the game that I'm I'm most liking the look of from a fantasy perspective this week. The the uh, interesting thing with Ben White as well is that even though he is a decent fantasy asset to have on your watch list, he by playing right back he's also really freed up the likes of Saka to get forward. Yes. Because you know it wasn't that long ago that even though Saka was you know cheaper back then he was always you know sort of in that liminal space between you know being a wing back or like an out and out winger. But now that you've got White really like nailing down the right-hand side. At least given Saka the, the freedom to get forward and get into those positions you want. Uh, Wolves-Leicester, bit of a Midlands derby here. Um, Wolves, I, 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 I mean, they, they look in real trouble for me. They've said this week now that they're not going to be appointing a new manager till 2023. I yeah. know that they performed a little better against Crystal Palace, against the Palace side who, who, who played decently, but... I, I, I'm surprised that they haven't got an immediate replacement and I, I, I'm worried about them. Well, I mean, the, the the latest thing was, which everyone sort of was confident that they were going to see through to completion, was bringing in uh, Michael Beale from Queen's Park Rangers, who uh, was Stephen Gerrard's number two at Villa and referred to at Villa as the human tactics board. <laughs> um, but uh, QPR fans were very disappointed at, at the prospect of potentially losing him. And um, they are currently top of the league, Queen's Park Rangers, I believe, in, in the championship and playing very well. But... Beal's only been there for four months and they thought, okay, well, you know, it's, it's a shame the Premier League clubs come knocking. But then within 24 hours, there's been a total reversal and uh, 
the the man in charge of Wolves is going to be there till 2023. And the reaction in the Wolves fan base, from what I can see, has been a big gulp, basically. One of the um, their young defenders started against Crystal Palace and got the assist for the Adama Traore goal at Bueno, uh, who's um, priced at 3.9 mil. Uh, and he looked very, very good, I thought, in that game. He could be a, a really, really cheap enabler moving forward um, if he continues to play. Um, but apart from that, Wolves' assets, not of interest. Costa hasn't done anything, even though we've kind of been waiting with bated breath for him to yeah. score. <laughs> He's box office to watch. You always like it's, it's like watching a soap opera when you're watching Costa on the pitch. Leicester um, got a 2 0 win against Leeds. Surprising that they've actually picked up a couple of clean sheets now over the last three games or so. Um, didn't look too bad. Harvey Barnes um, is starting to come into quite a bit of form. Uh, and he could be an interesting differential uh, option because not a lot of people have got him in. I mean, the likes of Castagna at the back and Harvey Barnes. They're, they shouldn't be high up people's watch list, but they are definitely one to keep an eye on because, you know, after the World Cup, if Leicester do manage to turn a bit of a corner, they're still proven good fancy assets. I mean, I know you went through a spell of, of owning Timothy Castagna in a season gone by. And, um, it, it was, you, know, you know what it was? It was his debut season. And the first, it was his debut I, I, I got him in for um, on a complete whim and he scored. It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, just <laughs> what a so, so I don't think Leicester are mugs. I think this is going to be one of the least watchable games of the weekend for me. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wolves, Leicester, I can totally see that being a, a drab nil nil. Yeah, thank God it's not on TV. Uh, Spurs versus Newcastle, um, however, is uh, quite a watchable game, I think. Um, and it'll be interesting, really, because you've got three assets from this game here. Doherty, Son and Trippier. You feel a bit nervous about this one? Yeah, kind of, because, I mean, Newcastle just look like the bee's knees at the moment. It gives me no pleasure to say that. But um, when I got in Doherty, it was basically as like a sort of a three-week pun with yeah. this being his third week. And I'm just wondering whether he's going to have any joy against Newcastle because they're very well organised. Will he start? Um, Newcastle are a threat themselves. Will he start is the thing because obviously you're looking at Emerson being back from suspension now. The noise is coming out of Spurs. Um, seems like he may well start. Um, but if he doesn't, I'm in the fortunate position for the first time this this season where I've actually got three playing players on my bench. Sure. Well, two, uh, no, because I haven't got Jason Mosquera as a starter. That's a, that's a lie. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't particularly rate Hyungmin Son's chance of getting a return in this one, which is why he's just inched a little closer to the, to the exit door for me because I really need my midfield assets to be a consistent source of points and I don't mm. think Son justifies his price tag still no. and if, if, if he does return of course he would wipe out my Kieran Trippier clean sheet which would be a bit bittersweet Harry Kane Finn what are your uh, immediate plans with Kane? Um, I can't get him in this week. I would like to have got him in last week, um, uh, but I wanted to get Salah in ahead of him. Uh, I don't feel awful about not owning him against Newcastle, um, but come next week, um, or certainly the week after, I would expect to have him in my team, probably alongside Phil Foden uh, for a four-point hit, because uh, I think I can make it work financially. Pro not next week, I don't think, crucially, actually. It'll probably be for two weeks from 15 
through 16. Um, but I think Kane, and again, I know we said it about Mitrovic, and I don't like using the phrase because it probably wasn't true about Mitrovic. Kane really does appear to be fixture-proof, with the exception of last week against United. That was the first time he hadn't scored in six Premier League games. But, he, you know, he, he's, he's, he's just so strong and, you know, great for the penalty potential as well. Spurs, as a team, seem to be better against the teams that they're expected to beat, which is a very yeah. un-Spursy thing. I think it's a, it must only be a Conte thing because if you look at Spurs' Like results against the better teams. Um, I am counting United amongst those, by the way, somehow. Um, <laughs> that's kind of another thing that worries me in this fixture against Newcastle. In, in an ideal world, I'm actually kind of looking for a Doherty and uh, Trippier clean sheet apiece, you know, with a nil-nil. I don't think it will be nil-nil, but it's just yet another reason I think Son's on the chopping block for me. This yeah, time. I think that is a good plan. The final uh, fixture of the week, West Ham versus Bournemouth. That's the Monday night, eight o'clock fixture. Uh, West Ham lost to Liverpool 1-0 again and, and another sort of kind of uh, strange malaise of a season for them uh, Bournemouth in similar sort of form but you know you wouldn't expect them to be up there and so you know you'd actually say they're doing very well although would have been disappointed to lose to Southampton yeah it's it's, it's a strange one West Ham because even though I kind of said early doors to you this season that they were going to struggle I know you, you were a bit surprised when I said that but yeah well, you've I, improved I right so far yeah and, and I I look at their assets and I just think, who am I? Who would I be bringing in from West Ham? And I, I like Scamacher. I think Scamacher. So a good do I. I. I saw that. Um, I think the scout, you know, uh, fancypremierleague.com's um, scout pick uh, for the week. I think he is in amongst them. Um, and I, uh, there are strikers I'd rather have than Scamacher, but I don't think he's a terrible pick. I think Bowen's kind of been usurped in the pecking order by the likes of. Foden, Saka, Zahar. Mainly because um, he missed a pen. Yeah, I know. And and it's just yet another revolving doors moment for owners, isn't it? Mm. But uh so I don't know, and, and Bournemouth are just just continue to to surprise basically, don't they? So it's um it's they an do. interesting fixture. Yeah, it, it is. Again, probably not too many assets from this one, um, but, you know, I, I probably would stick the faith with the likes of Bowen, Solanke, Scamacci, if well, you have got them Especially if, you, if you're like me and you've got Jefferson Lerma in your... Uh, yeah, roll the spice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right, Jake, let's talk about game week 13 transfer plans then. Uh, do you want me to go first, actually? Sorry, do you say... Yeah, well, to... we were saying in the pub, weren't we, how um, it always seems to be... That I am a, the, the more gentlemanly and always go like um, <laughs> first. It, it gives you the opportunity to. Uh, what you're to, more gentlemanly if you go. Yeah, first, it, it is because I'm giving I'm doing you a favour because you can go. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to write that down. And I'm going to do that. <laughs> right, right, I see. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I understand. Right, so, so this week I'm going to be a bastard. Not that I'm usually and uh, and say Finn, please do the honours. Tell me what you're thinking for game week thirteen. Uh, I've made the transfer. Sackers in for Harrison. Wow. Okay. Bang. So after I was so after I was bigging up Saka. Yeah. There you go. When you said you made the transfer, <laughs> did you make the transfer mid podcast when I was saying good things about Saka? Uh, no, I made it before he came off with a knock because uh, I wanted to get Ooh. ahead of the price rise. And now I'm a little bit nervous. The, what I would suggest is that I don't think it looked too serious, um, and mm. I would still expect him to start and play against Southampton. I'm, I'm very happy having him for the next four weeks or so. I've wanted to get him in for a little while now. Um, he's yeah. on penalties. He looks really strong. I actually am not scared by having a double up Arsenal midfield. I really like that. Um, 
because I think that they look just as dangerous as Jesus in terms of goal potential or assist potential. Um, and they do look dangerous at the moment, they, uh, the Arsenal, they really do. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with my Saka pick. And mm. worst comes to worst, should he not play, I'll have Andreas Pereira come off the bench. And it doesn't yeah. really look serious. So if he doesn't play, he'll probably still start against Nottingham Forest. And mm. that's a big, big plus. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, this is probably the one week where I could have gone first, actually, because um, I, it was a toss-up for me between bringing in Saka or bringing in Foden. And I think it's probably going to be the one of them that's going to replace Son. I'm leaning more towards Foden. Um, because, I like think I that said, probably get... makes sense, given Saka now is a slight injury doubt. But... Yeah, but even before that, I think, like I was saying to you earlier in the pod, Part of the reason I was so happy to part ways with De Bruyne was that it was softened by the idea of getting in Foden sooner rather than later. Yeah. I do expect him to have a good game against Brighton, knowing Pappy's going to bench him now and we're not going to see him again <laughs> this side of the World Cup. But um, Foden is one that just makes sense for me in terms of the composition of my team. It means I get money in the bank for next week as well, like with plenty of positions that I can upgrade upon for next week. I mean, my bench, I'm, I'm so unused to having... Yeah. actual viable bench assets and, and current... So can you, can you talk me through out of your squad then who you'll be planning on starting and who you'll be having benched for this week? Well, Gwaite is nailed on, um, Trippi is nailed on, Cancelo's nailed on and then the third member of the defence is a toss-up between Matt Doherty at home to Newcastle as we've discussed. I don't yeah. particularly back him to keep a clean sheet there even though it's a home fixture. Or Mark Gahey, who's not returned for me yet, and he's away to Everton, who we know are a little goal blunt. Mm. So uh, currently, it's, it's probably about 60 40 in Gahey's um, favour for me. Oh, starting. is it? But, okay, interesting. Yeah, but but then it's, it's funny because I, I back Doherty to get an attacking return, but don't back him to get a defensive return. And I back Gahey to get a defensive return, and I don't back him to get an attacking return. So that's kind of in my in my mind as well when I'm looking at you know who I'm going to start knowing me I'm going to get it wrong but uh, by the way Leon Bailey is at home to Brentford and he's currently second sub on my bench because I just can't trust him can't so, those, trust him. The, so those on your bench then currently Doherty first sub Bailey second sub and then Mosquera yeah, obviously of course that's okay. correct and then the rest of the team basically picks itself because I'd rather have Andreas playing um, away to Leeds than Leon Bailey I don't know if that's mad or not no I don't um, think it is I, I would also say that's the right shout and then currently I've got Martinelli away to Southampton who's value for something uh, Son you know big game player you never know he's playing Newcastle well like Foden said. presumably <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean it's, it's looking like he's, he's going to be out for Foden but you know yeah. even if I had to play Son in this one it's not a terrible terrible you know thing yeah. to have to do but um, Captain Salah is my fourth midfielder pick and so and you are the, you're, you're going fixtures over form well it, actually the thing that's kind of tipped me towards Salah currently is not just the the fact that uh, the, the whole bollocks pattern thing I was saying about how he, he's due a return, which is rubbish and you should never go along with that. But it's mainly <laughs> the fact that if Darwin is indeed injured, his expected goal involvement per 90 this season with Darwin on the pitch is at 0.39 wow, per match. That's and minuscule. With, without Darwin on the pitch, it's 0.85. Yeah. So his his odds of getting a goal involvement more than double when Darwin's not involved. So for me, if Darwin doesn't make it, and it's looking like he won't make it, by the time I have to, to pick my team, yeah. the armband's going to be with Mo. If I've got any sort of doubt in my mind, it's going to revert to Erling Haaland, who should get a goal, really. 
realistically against Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, and then obviously in addition to Holland, I then got Tony and Mitrovic, similar to you. So uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, my, my own team. Um, obviously, I, I, I've got the the choice between Ward and Sanchez. Sanchez away to Man City, I, I can't justify playing him, so it'll have to be Ward away to Wolves. Uh, against Again, against the Wolves side who, who aren't scoring a lot, so the hope is there that it could be another Ward clean sheet on the way. Uh, I have also gone for Gahey. My other two defensive choices are Emerson Royale at home to Newcastle and Esther Pinyan away to Man City, neither of whom are in any way guaranteed to start, so I've kind of got to go with, with, with Gahey, I think. Uh, then Cancelo and Trippier, uh, same as you. Uh, Martinelli, Holland. And Mitrovic and Tony, of course, we all we, we both share those. Uh, I've got my new Saka pick in as well away to Southampton. If he doesn't play, he'll come out for Andreas on the bench. I've also captained Salah away to Nottingham Forest. Um, because I, I, I think, like you say, um, your Nunez news, your news news. Uh, as maybe oh, far news, yes. his news, yes, yeah. that's maybe far more confident that I'm going to get a return from him. Um, so I'm happy with that, and then and then Zaha to finish. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zaha worries me. I wish I had Zaha, but you know it's one of those. Well, I uh, wish I, I had Foden. So I mean, it, the, the, yeah, I think that, you know we've both got the. There are always going to be those players, aren't there? That we each, you know, are and slightly Kane. envious of. Um, yeah, well, I think I've, do- I've, I've, I've put a pin in my Kane hopes and dreams for the time being, but um, hopefully by the time we sit down to record next week, COVID yeah. side fit, then, uh, you can welcome uh, Foden to uh, <laughs> Art for FC. So. Indeed. Jacob, let's finish with a little bit of a roll the spice. Oh, spicy, spicy. spicy well, spicy. I've, uh, I've been rummaging around in my spice cupboard, Finn, and I yeah. realised there, there is a certain kind of spice that I've not been putting in any of my fancy dishes Ooh. most recently. And um, I thought to, to, to shake the, the spice distribution pot for this week, I thought I, I might throw you a bit of a curveball. It's not Jefferson Lerma again, don't worry. Not another um, Bournemouth asset. <laughs> I realised that neither of us in our spicy, spicy picks this season have yet gone for a goalkeeper. And I, I figured, it's, 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 I don't think picking a goalkeeper is inherently spicy. If anything, I think it's maybe a bit boring because I know people don't transfer in goalkeepers to make an impact. But if your goalkeeping department is starting to look a little bit sad, a little bit stale, and, um, and you're looking for something to, uh, to differentiate you from, from you and your mini-league mates, uh, might I humbly suggest bringing in a good old Lucas Flappy Hansky Fabianski, Ooh, who is owned by 1.5% of the game. And his fixtures up until the World Cup break are actually quite good. He's got three very, very tasty home fixtures against Bournemouth, Palace and Leicester. I know that, you know, Bournemouth are in quite good form. Palace are always a goal threat and Leicester have just won. But I, I back Fabianski to get returns in those games, mainly because as a contingency fin, last week he got six saves. Yeah. And, um, and, and in, the, in his last two, he's been racking up the save points. And if you look at keepers historically who seem to make a lot of saves in the Premier League, I think uh, Fabianski has always been in and amongst them. So if you're looking for a keeper to see you through the next four game weeks, bring in Fabianski. He's only owned by 1.5% of the game. I say, why not roll the dice or indeed 
Roll the spice. Roll the spice. <laughs> I like Fabianski, actually. I think it's interesting. I haven't considered goalkeepers. Um, you're right, actually, so far. We haven't had a pick of a keeper. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think I, I thought he looked strong against um, against uh, Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that, actually. I think that's... that. I, I'm, You know, for once, Jacob, I'm not going to criticise your pick. I think it is oh, it's very nice. Which probably means it's going to be <laughs> terrible. He's going to do his ACL within the well, first no, five probably, minutes. No. Considering how you've been doing mate probably means he's going to do fucking great oh there's <laughs> no need for that there, there is simply no need for that there's a I expected like a basic level of modesty and decorum when we started doing this podcast and those expectations have not been met you um, yeah, so for, for, for my uh, role of spice, I've been really torn between two, actually, and I've mentioned them both already. Um, and I think, because I think I can use the other one next week, this one may no longer be spice. Oh, I don't know. Is it? Mm, he's only got well, one point. Uh, is, it, is it similar to when uh, you accuse my Raheem Sterling pick of being like yoghurt? No, it's much more spicy than your yoghurt picking for Raheem Sterling. But I don't want to fall into the same category, Jacob. Wow. <laughs> um, no, screw it. Uh, 1.7% owned. Um, I'm going to go Harvey Barnes. Uh, I think. Harvey Barnes. Uh, Harvey Barnes. Oh, it's an equaliser. Harvey Barnes. I think he's been doing. Um, I think he's he's been looking really strong for Leicester, and I think that there's been a case of people getting so swallowed up by how well James Madison has been doing, and um, that people have sort of forgotten a little bit that the Barnes actually has, has been racking up some some decent points hauls. You know, he's he's managed to get two eight pointers in his last uh, four games, a goal each uh, in those, um, and I think I think he looks um, I think he looks lively, and uh, I think there's a case of a little bit. He didn't start the season because he was coming back from injury. And I think that because of that, uh, it's been, you know, people haven't uh, disregarded him a little. So I think Barnes be my pick. His, his four games coming up for Leicester, they've got Wolves this weekend, uh, you know, against the, you know, a, a Wolves side that look a bit suspect. Then City, which I don't expect them to get anything against. And then finishing off with a way to Everton and a way to West Ham. So not brilliant fixtures. People might not be looking at him, but I think he could be a good shout moving forward. He's always been one of those players as a fancy player that has been a, like a classic trap everyone's like oh you know watch Barnes is in and amongst the goals you know you need to keep an eye on him but for your sake Finnegus let's hope that this week he can hit a Barnes door with a banjo well <laughs> fingers crossed and do we want to talk a little bit about the roll the spice points tallies and how they're looking Jake no I'd rather not Finn <laughs> but I'm sure you're going to tell me anyway I am going to tell you I'm, I'm going to tell you purely um, by the virtue of the fact that um, I feel like uh, we, we've not spoken a little bit about how individual assets have been doing recently and I feel like that could be muddying the water a little bit um, so uh, the ones that you had uh, for last week were Miguel Almiron uh, Vieira's didn't count uh, Grealish's didn't count and you also had Billing and Lerma. So sadly, nothing there again. I uh, only had the one return. I had Miguel Almiron come up with a nice 10-pointer. Um, and then uh, Daka, who uh, nothing. Martial didn't play. Elise with uh, another assist uh, for a five-pointer. And then nothing from dear old Paddy Bamford. So uh, the other ones that are now done, Gordon, Isak, Sinistera, Nunez, no more points um, to be got from them. Uh, and I haven't quite tallied up the full points. I will put it out on a tweet. So please go have a look at our Twitter at Drunken Trancer and you can revel in my glory and Jacob's misery. 
I will make sure to be off Twitter between those hours. <laughs> I'll just have like an hour hiatus where I just uh, don't look because it will oh. cause me nothing but pain and sadness. Thank you for listening to The Drunken Transfer, episode 14. Jacob, it's been a pleasure again and um, I'm excited to see what happens now. 16-point lead I've got on you, but um, I feel like this Phil Foden pick could really cut that down. I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, need, I need Foden to put in a Ballon d'Or-worthy performance this week against Brighton. <laughs> and, and who knows? Like we might be uh, cr- crowning a King Phil this time next week, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I will make sure I wear my like uh, biohazard like um, COVID suit next time I'm recording with you, just in case that the, the plague hasn't passed from um, from FPL towers over at your place. So. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye bye. Ciao for now.